who's nice? No, who? That Ralph Wiggum boy. He's a real winner. You would know. Bart, you don't have to go anywhere today. I've got a surprise for you. What? I scheduled a play date. A what? With who? <gasps> Hi, Bart. We're gonna be friends. I have a finger trap. Whoa. Get him off. Get him off. Fighting only makes it tighter. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we're here to review this little wiggy. I am Dando. I am Mitch. I just want to throw a big shout out at the start of the show, Mitch, before I ask how you're going. I just want to say thank mm. you to everyone who has tuned in and downloaded the show for the past five years because recently Nicola acknowledged me and I forgot to acknowledge it on the show. I wasn't sure whether you were aware we ticked over our five year anniversary. Daddy brain, four year anniversary. <laughs> I was going to say five years feels like a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm so um, tired. But yeah, four like- year anniversary. 2015 in May we started. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the Rip Van Winkle of podcasts. I fell asleep and we'd be, <laughs> we did an extra year. So it's, um, it's been four years since Harry, uh, Harry took the show ransom and threatened to leave. Yeah. That was our first yeah, um, right. sort of... Bo- that was, that our, was our second podcast, yeah. Yeah, it was the second one that went to air, but one of the first things that we actually recorded. Mm, I, think actually, I think we actually recorded that before we did our first review. I think that was the first thing we actually did together, yeah, that Harry one. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, uh, I didn't because I'm bad with things like that, particularly if it's my own, like, you know, I can remember anniversaries and birthdays of people important to me, but if it's something relating to myself, I'm bad at keeping track of those things. Like I'm the sort of guy that will often forget things that I've actually done or when I did them. I have vague notions. The only thing that I ever really remember about this podcast is that it started in footy season. It's the only, (laughs) it's the only thing that I've got. You just have to remember the uh, the anniversary, wedding anniversary, and the wife's birthday in your set. Yeah, and that's pretty much it now. Actually, like my well, both uh, my brother and sister are born on public holidays, so that makes it really easy. My sister is Australia Day, and my brother is Anzac Day, cool. and then the other two are like a week apart. So again, like you just have to remember one, and then add seven. So that that works really well. I was born on Father's Day. Oh, really? Hmm. My sister was born on my mum's my mum's birthday, so uh, yeah, both good days. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. You, your parents timed that out really well. They did, yeah. <laughs> my dad's got a terrible memory, so that my mum made sure that she did it on days that my dad wouldn't forget. You still forgot though, you know. It, I was gonna say it would have been great if, in like both occasions, they were cracking the shits about the other one not getting the breakfast in bed on their special day. <laughs> like, like your dad, I'm just picturing your mum in the maternity ward and your dad propped up in a hospital bed next to her just with a knife and fork. <laughs> I'm waiting. Uh, so I'm just looking at our downloads. So in the four years since we've existed, this show, uh, two, nearly 2.3 million downloads we've had. So thank you so much to everyone who has supported the show. Yeah, like, I mean, that's obviously small fry when you compare it to the big boys, but it's still a mind-boggling number for two guys who are the first to acknowledge that we're very small and we've got a very niche product. So, it's um, that's very awesome, and thank you very much. Yeah, we're just nobodies, really, from Geelong who like The Simpsons, mm-hmm. and thankfully, there's plenty of other people out there that like The Simpsons, and they like to tune in. So, like, yeah, thank you once again. It's great. It's more than likely the only number that I will ever have ownership of of a, like a thing that will end in million. <laughs> I, I, 
yeah, maybe maybe money with inflation. But realistically, I'm never going to be like a quote. I'm never going to be a millionaire the way you think of a millionaire. I might hopefully have some decent superannuation when I'm 65. That's about all I can look forward to. Um, like, I don't know, maybe rice. Maybe I could go buy a million bits of rice. But beyond that, uh, this is the only thing that I'm ever going to have in the millions. It's one of those good things too, these statistics, because when you say, oh, I do a podcast about The Simpsons, people are like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. I'm like, oh, how's it going? I'm like, hmm. oh, yeah, I've had a couple of million downloads. Like, oh, oh so people give a shit. <laughs> yeah. The Facebook page is nice for that as well. It's like, oh, yes, uh, the, sure. the, the weekly reach is like a little over a million. You've got to be real careful if you're out drunk and updating your own Facebook because you could tweet the globe. <laughs> uh, but enough about us. Oh, actually, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story. So, before we, get into your, before we get into your week, uh, I had a car accident. <laughs> oh, yes, week. I saw this. Yeah. It was, um, it was bad. <laughs> so, what happened? So, the, the photo looks a lot worse than what it actually was. And I thought my car was going to be a write-off, but thankfully it's not. So, that's pretty cool. So, I'm driving to work and I start at 7 a.m. Still dark at this point in time in Australia at mm. 7 a.m. So, it's like 10 to 7. And it's, about local- it's about 20 minutes away from sunrise for people that aren't in our part of the world. Yeah, it's 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 dark. It's black, and um, and I'm so I'm driving to work. And for lo- local listeners, you'll know it's the Separation Street Bridge. But anyway, so this bridge here in Geelong, it you, you go under it and back over it, and that bridge is the highway. So I'm waiting to go onto the highway, and there's three cars in front of me, and obviously there was a red light somewhere down the road, and all the cars that rode that red light had gone. That was cleared. There was not a car in sight. Um, so the two, the three cars in front of me start going, and. Me, it's my my mistake. I just assumed, well, they're all gone. They're all going. So I start going as well. I turn to look, still no car. I put my foot down, and as I'm sort of going to de- going to turn my head to look in front of me, uh, some lights appear. But for you, you'll know, you'll be able to understand this. So I'm at the Separation Street Bridge, about to come mm-hmm. onto it. This car is level with about, I don't know, Race Ten City, the old Race Ten City building. So it's yeah, a fair okay. way away. Yeah. Um, but it's dark. He's the guy in front of me. Obviously, saw lights. And put his brakes on. I didn't realize he would have put his brakes on because I wouldn't have and just accelerated straight into him. Just, just bang. And um, thank, thankfully, the, I was expecting, you know, a guy in a suit to come out, arms waving. What are you doing? Fucking, I was just like, oh, I don't need this. I get out of the car mm-hmm. and it's a local musician who I used to do a lot of stuff with who lives around the corner from me. So, he's just like, oh, Dando. Oh. Like, like, and so, he didn't, he didn't care. It's apparently, it's the third accident he's been involved in the last 12 months. Probably shouldn't say that. I'm not saying who it was. <laughs> that morning. But, um, <laughs> but th- this is how far the car away was. So, we both got out. We're standing there. We look at the cars and then the car goes past. That's how far away the car was. We stood there and watched the car that he stopped for drive past. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. But, and he even sort of said, I probably shouldn't have stopped. But, you know, I saw lights and just thought I'd better wait. And then I just accelerated straight into him. So, mm. you know, it's going to cost a few thousand dollars to fix, but that's the beauty of being insured. So, oh, well, I, I, all that mattered was we're both fine, you know. I, I really thought for a second there that the tag to that story was that we'd signed on like RACV as a new sponsor <laughs> that that was just the longest <laughs> live read of all time <laughs> um, and I wish but, yeah, but that's the beauty of being insured with yes. RACV home and contents <laughs> allowed me to package into <laughs> package my car and save on my premium lucky um, we're with Amy <laughs> um, yeah one of my favourite ever car crash stories uh, was of uh, Greeny used to have this old Nissan Pintara and he got smashed at um Remember, it's a set of traffic lights now, but down at Breakwater, when it used to be a roundabout, he got, like, T-boned hard. His fault, he'd pulled out into the roundabout before 
oh, sorry, after someone else had already entered it. He just wasn't paying attention. He got absolutely destroyed by this uh, Range Rover or something. It was like, he, he tells me it was a fairly expensive car. A dude jumps out and like Greeny's car is worth, I think he bought it for a couple hundred bucks. So he's sitting there going, oh God, like this is just, this is bad. I've only got, I don't even know. He definitely didn't have comprehensive insurance. Um, yeah. Maybe he had third party. But the other guy gets out, has a look at Greeny's car, ex- took the blame himself, and then he said he just pulled out a wad of hundreds and went, ah, oh, look, I really don't have time to screw around. Um, here's 500 bucks. And just got back in his car and drove off. Jesus. Imagine how great it would be to just be that, like, rich. <laughs> just, yeah. He, yeah. He, just open up your wallet. Here's a few hundred. I'm, I haven't got time for this yeah. shit. <laughs> the um, the kicker to that story, Greeny never, Greeny never got it repaired. He just went, he had a look and went, Ah, it's only panel damage. It's not going to stop me from driving it. Uh, that 500 <laughs> bucks can go towards, I don't, I don't know, clothes or whatever it was. That's awesome. My car, as you saw in the picture, not drivable. Well, it, it, the thing is, it was drivable, but then I got home and I realized that I tried to open up the passenger doors, wouldn't open. So, I was like, oh. So, apparently, the front had oh, been pushed in, the bit underneath had been pushed back so far that the passenger doors wouldn't open anymore. I was like, I better get this looked at quickly and I better not drive it anymore. <laughs> so getting a lift with you now, it's basically Dukes of Hazard style, just going through the window. Oh, man. Like, I, so, well, it's at the um, records now. But the thing is, I'm actually like really scared on the road now. It's weird. It's like it's affected me. I come to like any, yeah. any junction now, I'm just like, I'd overlook, you know, unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was in a... <laughs> now you're going to get rear-ended by someone else. That's probably what happened to your musician friend. He'd had two two accidents. That's why he was cautious when he saw another car within three kilometers of him. <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, I, I was in a really bad smash when I was about 20 in the passenger seat. And I've been a really nervous passenger ever since. Um, like, not vocally. And I'm not someone that tells the driver what to do. But I just internally, I find it really hard to relax. Oh, I'm the same, and quite quite often I have to sort of just bite my tongue because I know how frustrating it is when someone's trying to tell you how to drive. Hmm. Particularly when I know it's my own problem. It's not like the other person's even doing anything wrong. I just see obstacles and think, oh, my God, and like have flashbacks to this time I went into a pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway. But anyway, enough enough about how broken we are mentally. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to another broken mentally person. So this little wiggy... I'm, it's a bit of a mixed bag, this episode for me. There was, it had some really genuinely funny parts, but a lot of it I actually, and this just might be, might just think I'm a bit stupid, but I actually found it a little bit uncomfortable to watch at times. Like, I want to I pose this question to you as, as, as to kick off the episode. Is it okay to laugh at Ralph? Hmm. Hmm. Well, you've, uh, hmm. I don't think it is. You, especially after you finish watching this episode, it's not okay to laugh at him. It's actually someone with a mental condition who's envisioning leprechauns to tell him to burn things. He has a serious mental condition. We shouldn't, as an audience, be laughing at that. I get it. It's just a comedy. But still. Yeah, I think the way they get, I think the way they get away with that is that it was because they transitioned him to that period, to that point. Mm. Like he started as being simple, but not. You know, he was able to act as George Washington on stage. Like, he exactly. wasn't... Exactly, yep. Uh, yeah, but... And then, like, it kind of turned into just one-liners and one-liners, and we've spoken about that as it, as it went on. But, yeah, in this one, like, he's a borderline vegetable that... Mm. That... I, I mean, I think, yes, it... Overall, 
I think it is okay to laugh at Ralph because of the journey, but I think if this was just a pilot episode and you had a character that was... Like, if, if The Simpsons took out the last eight and a half years of history and then it started on this, particularly if it started in today's climate, it would be seen as really nasty. Yeah, definitely. And and it's, there's so much... I think it's because there's so much in this episode, we don't see it too often. Like, Ralph will say one-liners and you think, oh, that's just a silly thing to say. That's just silly. You just laugh at him. But when it's people picking on Ralph and that's supposed to be the joke, that's mm. where it's like, oh, okay. I'm not sure how to think think right now. Because as a kid, I, I, I laughed at this. But now I watch it and go, oh, I'm the- not too sure. I'm really not too sure. Yeah, like when he's sitting in the mud um, or falls into the mud, that's not great when no. you put it in the context that you've posed that question at. Um, the thing, no one, I can't remember anyone really making fun of him for being stupid throughout the no. episode. No, uh, maybe. It was more just about the fact that Ralph is not the kid that you want to be seen with. And, you know, that, uh, like, you know, that's one of those things that I think is a That, that in itself is that bad, though. In school. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real thing, but in a comedy, should that exist? Don't well. It depends on how much heart the writers are treating the actual character with. Like if it comes across as mean spirited, then no. Um, I think any joke, if it's a mean spirited joke, it probably needs to be looked at. Um, overall, if I'm trying to think of like where this gets to, overall, there's an acceptance of Ralph. No one, apart from the bullies, and the bullies are deliberately mean to everybody. No one's ever, like, really trying to hurt Ralph. And then it, once Bart sees that Ralph is hurt, he qu- very quickly, you know, amends. And mm. he has that line about, you know, I've, I've got to stand by a friend, even if it is Ralph. But I would take that more to be, like, I, I was never trying to hurt him. I was never trying to upset him. I was just, I just wanted to go do this fun thing. And as soon as he realized he'd pushed it too far, like, the kind of moral of the story was more around accepting Ralph for who he was. So, on the whole, I think it's all right. Well, see, that scene at the prison, I that actually didn't affect me, but I actually sort of, I felt, I, I hurt for Ralph. That At that moment, I just mm. went, because Nicola was sitting there watching with me, and she goes, this is a bit rough, isn't it? And I went, you're really right. Like, as, some, as someone like Nicola, who's not really, I wouldn't say she's not a fan of the show, but she doesn't really watch it at all. She's watching this unbiased, you know, perspective on, on the character of Ralph and going, why are they why are they doing this to this to this disabled boy? And that's what he is. Because at first he was just awkward, but now he's mentally challenged. They've evolved him into a mm. mentally challenged child. I'm not too I'm I just I don't know, and I'm not sure at the way they've evolved him, I don't think you can base an episode around him anymore. Like I just don't think there's enough to the character. No. No. Uh and well that was like my biggest thing is I thought that it was a shame that they took away any real layer of depth and complexity that Ralph might have had. And you can have someone that's simple but still has depth and complexity. Like, look at... I don't know, it's a completely different medium and a different vibe, but Forrest Gump, for example. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, not that I necessarily want to compare Ralph to, like, autistic people, but Rain Man, there are a litany of examples throughout pop culture where you have people who aren't... uh, who who would be quote-unquote simple but still have compelling storylines and compelling motivators whereas ralph really only he he has absolutely no agency like he just exists 
he's basically like a pop plant that can speak. That's essentially how the writers have boiled him down. Yeah, by this definitely. point in the show. And it's just like you said, even these parents just accept that's just the way he is now. You know, like he gets shoved into that ear and Chief Wiggum, ah, he's always finding himself in places like that. Are they trying to sort of make that like Chief Wiggum knows he's like that and just accepts it or he's oblivious to the whole situation? I'm wondering if he's trying to deny just how much the world shits on Ralph. Yeah. That's particularly like in that scene. His own internal his own internal denial. Yeah. Yeah. Like rather there, there, there was, than face the yeah. uncomfortable truth as a parent. I actually thought this episode too. I know it's it's a rough episode, but I think it's just as much a Bart episode. I never really looked at it this way until we did the review, but it's Bart's journey on befriending this child and sort of having to he does bad but then turns good like he said in that in that scene at the prison. Like he it's about Bart having to learn to accept people for who they are and not not judge people just because they might not be as intelligent mm. as you. Social status isn't as important as being nice and being kind to somebody. Yeah, doing the right thing by people. Um, and, you know, not electrocuting the mayor. Um, that's an important lesson. An important lesson for everyone to live. Do not electrocute your mayor. You brought up the, uh, you brought up the mayor there. So, I think the ending to this was just terrible. I didn't like the ending at all. I thought it was just, it was just a, a moment that was shoehorned in for the sake of getting to an end of a st- the story. It didn't, n- nothing, bi- n- the, the mayor, just all of a sudden the mayor's going to test the electric chair. Like nothing built to that. It was just, they left the chair on so that now we're just going to shoehorn this, oh, the mayor's just going to try and use it and do it on mm. live television for no reason at all, really. Whatsoever. Yeah, you're right. The way, like from a storytelling point of view, probably a more satisfying structure would have been some form of thread setting up that they were unbeknownst to the kids that there was going to be a test on the electric chair done the following day. So then when the key gets pulled out and it's on, it kind of sets it up a little bit more and then it's not from completely left field when it does happen. That would have taken literally 10 to 15 seconds worth of airtime to be able to get something in. Yeah, because when they when they have Bart turn the key and they focus in, they zoom in on him, the fact that he's left it on, it's like, pay attention to this because this is going to matter in a minute. It's like, it, well, it should have already mattered that he left it on. Yeah. should have already planted it, that scene. I think it would have been better if it did. Yeah. Because you're like, it's an abandoned prison. Like, okay, it's on. It's probably not great, but who's going near there? Old mate yeah. with with the nightstick isn't gonna, like maybe he's going to have a nap in the chair. What do you think about the leprechaun ending? Um... It's one of those well, things that gets quotes, quoted all the time. It's 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 the Ralph character is so associated with this moment. But like, oh, I just mm. want to know what are you, what are your thoughts on it? I don't like. I didn't. I don't have a problem with it. Like you know, and end on a callback to something that's set up a little bit earlier. But yeah, no. Overall, it's fine. I, I didn't have an issue. But I, I didn't. It's not like the strongest ending to a Simpsons episode of all time, though. No, I I, I think that ending there epitomizes the the evolution of the show and the way it's structured and the way it ends, the, the emotional punch. So this in season four or five, whatever, it may be even a bit earlier, season three, would have just ended with the family celebrating Ralph with a nice little music cue, fade out from the, like pan out to the house, whatever. Instead, yeah. they had to throw this in here. And for me, this line is what tipped me over the edge is to say, this kid's actually mentally challenged and you shouldn't be laughing at him anymore. That's the moment for me. Yeah, okay. I think for me I was I was there earlier in the episode. Like he's about the time that he drops onto the floor and starts barking in the first couple minutes. That was 
that for me was like the real kind of on the nose tipping point of like, this is no longer just a kid that's not very intelligent. This is now a kid that has got some serious problems. Yeah, but it's, it's the way he looks out and like nods to the, to the leprechaun as if to say that it's, there's, there's two ways you can take the character. He's actually a, an evil child who's willing to burn things or he's listening to this imaginary friend and he's going to burn things without having any idea of the consequences of it. Maybe I'm just looking into... Maybe there's people out there going, oh, you're looking way too into it. It's, we love Ralph. I know, I know everyone loves Ralph, but I couldn't help but just think these things after watching this episode. Maybe it's because yeah. I've got a kid now. I don't know. Yeah, look, I, I've been... I haven't made any secrets of the fact that Ralph is a long way away from my favourite character for... Like, some of the lines are very funny, but a lot of them I just don't... There's, like, you know, there's just nothing more to them. And that's not... But, you know, that's fine. If it makes you laugh, it makes you laugh. At the end of the day, if it if you're... If you're laughing for the right reasons... And we're not talking about a real character. I'm sure that people that laugh at Ralph would not laugh at, you know, someone who was like Ralph in real life. Exactly. Like, there's, no. there's, a, there's a definite disconnect from the real reality of the situation to what you're laughing about on TV. And sometimes it can be important for comedy to find an avenue to give you that sort of release, to tap into the sorts of things that you wouldn't laugh at in day-to-day life. Like that doesn't, it, there's absolutely no judgment on my part. It just doesn't, he, Ralph as a character, probably post season four, just doesn't do it for me. And don't get me wrong, as I said, there's plenty of funny moments in this episode. I even laughed at Ralph many times in this episode. It's just this is the first time I've actually felt uncomfortable laughing at him. But Mm. uh, getting to my favorite moment, there's a couple. So, I really loved Bart trying to explain to Marge why he doesn't want to hang out with Ralph and her just not understanding it and him just... I just don't want to hang out with Ralph. Like, he just... He was so... And he's like... He realized he wasn't going to get through to her. So, he was just like, I just don't want to do it. (laughs) It was just that... We've all had that moment with our mum where she just doesn't understand. It's like... I don't want to have to explain this anymore. Just listen to me. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I I did love Marge's naivety about the cool kids being all the A students. Yeah, yeah. That's what he's just like. It's just that the look, the, the pause of, I'm not going to get through to this woman. <laughs> <laughs> I also loved, what is your fascination with my forbidden closet of mystery? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was very funny as well. Uh, I like Wiggum a lot in this episode, actually. He's kind of sweet yeah, but, and hopeless. Yeah, you saw you saw a side of him here that you don't normally see because he's mm. he is. We'll discuss now where he sort of seems like he's uh trying to in, in denial in a sense with the character of Ralph, but he's he's a he's a good parent. He's a really good parent. We don't really see it that often, but he's a, he's a really great father to Ralph in this episode. Well, in a loving way, like he, yeah. he cares a lot about him. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's, and, um, and it's, it's the joy of him seeing Ralph happy when he's got a friend over. Mm. You know, yeah. yeah. My favourite moments, uh, I, I had a couple that I wrote. Two of them are based on Homer. And yep. I really, really loved Homer's descent into acting like a child after spending time at the Nologium. Um It's so true. You know, just running around after he's over, after he's been overstimulated. But it was so, so well done for the fact that it contrasted 100% against his mood on the way in. Like... It's the fact that he's had fun in a place that he was never expecting to have fun. I got a lot of joy out of that. That was really cool. I had, this uh, happened a lot when I was younger. I'd not want to go to a party of some kind, you know, friends of the family or some sort of family party. I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Winged the whole way there, and then I wouldn't want to leave. <laughs> oh, it was a Bucks party. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I really loved Homer. It's one of the better non sequiturs we've had for a long time. Where 
uh, Homer just cuts a hole in the roof, <laughs> oh, a hole in the floor. Just the animation of him popping his head up, looking around, and just his uh-oh, and then ducking back down. I really, you know, what was he trying to do? What was he trying to achieve? There's a whole, there's a whole B plot there that I was curious about finding <laughs> out. How did he, how did he ever fix the hole? <laughs> what conversation got had? And maybe it's because I'm really bad at general home repairs that I, uh, I found, I looked at that and went, well, that's something I could do. That oh, yeah. one day Ash would be around, not even be aware that I'm here, and a foot would just come out through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> How would you fix that? Just a whole lot of super glue? <laughs> I suppose. Um, I'd find a... So, our roof is white, so I'd uh, pop down... Depending on how big the hole was, I'd find, like, a white serving plate or something, tape it oh, up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sticky tape, of fine. course. Fixes everything, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no um, sticky tape, just a whole lot of band-aids. And the other one for me was the old guard. Like, that was just some really inspired writing, um, joke writing in particular, with the, you know, someone there, hmm, I really shouldn't yell out. It gives him a chance to get away. Well, yeah, I'm happens, an idiot. It's just the delivery the on, yeah. the delivery on, well, I'm an idiot. And of course, he's not just calling himself an idiot. They're calling every screenwriter ever who has included that. <laughs> like, it's basically just calling half the industry idiots. It's very funny. From this day forward, your names will be... Alrighty, new names for the episode. I've gone with Prison Glitch. Ah, oh, instead of Snitch. Yes, okay, I'm with you. Uh, solid. Uh, I went with The Keyed Mile. Yes, not bad. It's funny how we've both gone for the prison angle. Yeah, it was either going to be that or Escape from Ralph Catraz. But <laughs> it's not too the bad. Escape, that, that was just because I wanted to crowbar in an Alcatraz pun. Um, Joseph O'Hara, Knife at the Wigium. Sorry, night. Night at the Wigium. Yep. Uh, the next three are all remarkably similar, but they were all very good. Emma Helford, Rocket Ralph. Alistair Danik, Unlock It Ralph. And Andrew Parker, Rocket Plan. Rocket um, Plan, yeah. That's yeah, I, yeah, I liked all of those. It was hard for me to split. And Ashley Gilbert also chimed in with this kind of worked more in uh in writing but it was notorious w-i-g in capitals and then g-y underneath like oh you know in smaller smaller case they're our top five for this week they're our top five we're just going with the top five from now on (laughs) that depends on how many good ones come in (laughs) we should also acknowledge by the way um nancy cartwright because she did most of the heavy lifting for this episode she does ralph and bart and nelson and nelson yeah that's a power of work for her yeah it's, it I would guess have been Harry does it a lot with that with Smithers Burns episodes and whatnot. But yeah, it's not very yeah. often that we don't get Ralph. This is the most we've ever had Ralph. Oh, maybe I love Lisa. So, but they're so different, aren't they? Like the character of Ralph, he's just so different from then to now, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, you never swear it's the same person. Uh, but anyway, I would have I would have loved if the table read for this one was just like Nancy walked in and there's a TV dinner for one <laughs> at one end of the table. <laughs> <laughs> a couple really disappointed fans in the wings, like where's when when does Hank get here? Where, where's where's Her- where's Yardley? Like they're not needed. But anyway, but um, what was I going to say? It'd be interesting to ask Nancy her thoughts on uh on the character of Rolf and how she feels the way it evolved over the past four seasons or so. It would be actually because it's, it's a character that she can't really sink her teeth into anymore. That I love Lisa. There was something to to you know to really grab onto and try and work with. Now he's just a moron. Hmm. Yeah, like how do you go as an actor when 
you know, TV is a writer's medium. You haven't really got any say in in it, particularly in a cartoon. You haven't really got any say over what direction your characters go in. So, yeah, like she would have been coming from a place where she had an emotional truth or some sort of emotional key to be able to get into the character to now just basically being blank up top for every line of dialogue. And it's not really... And everyone always says, I love the character of Ruff. It's never really acknowledged just how how much of sort of oh, is ruined the character a good thing uh, the right thing to say here because i love lisa let's just changed, say change yeah change changed, yeah because it's not ruined Pe- people like him so he's not ruined um i love lisa what he does in that play he's not an idiot he's just awkward uh i will say one redemptive thing about him uh, in this episode i just i really loved his loyalty to his dad and when yep. the key goes into the prison uh, he goes in to get the key with just no fanfare, it's just well off I go. I got to get this. Uh, that was that was kind of cool. That was a really touching moment for me. Um, my heart kind of, honestly, my heart swelled a little bit when he went in there. I was like, yeah, you go, Ralph. Yeah, even Bart was scared in that moment. I mean, fuck, they're ten years, and and Bart acknowledged it as well. I didn't really realize like Ralph's two years younger than him. Yeah, that's true. That's like that's probably reason one that Marge should not have organized a plate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> It's a, a grade five or whatever. What oh no, grade four is grade four and two? Is that what they are? Four. Know. Yeah, let's go four and two in Australian terms. It's about four and two. Next question. You there eating the paste? Uh, so trivia for this week. I'm going to kick off. I've got mm-hmm. what month was this episode set in? Oh, trying to quickly scan my memory as to when a calendar ever appeared. Yeah, just in a uh, uh, classroom, I believe it was. May? April. Nearly. Mm, okay. Uh, Wiggum had two photos on the staircase. Who was he posing with in each? Oh, I'm not too sure. Are they Springfield celebrities? No. Uh, okay. So they're real life celebrities? No? Yeah. No. Okay. I Well, my, my guess was going to say Mayor Quimby, but obviously that's not it. Okay. Um, no. no. I don't know uh, so there's, there's one, the... Uh, so there's one photo that just looked like it was a landscape. So there's actually three photos, but there was two that had Wickham in mm-hmm. it. Uh, one was his family, and the second was his car. He's sort of posing in front of the cop car. Which, oh, okay, cool. Which I kind of liked. It's like he's yep. married to his job. He does. He does love the job. I mean, he's, he's a terrible chief in the grand scheme of things, but he loves the position. <laughs> mm. uh, my second question is: What was Ralph's nightlight? Oh, it was like a moon. Yeah, a moon with like a face a in it. Like a moon or something. Yeah. That had fa- yeah, face in Yeah. Um, My second question. In the late night movie that Wiggum had fallen asleep, kind of like, you know, the, their advertising movie while Wiggum's sleeping when they're breaking in to steal the key, which actor was playing Inspector Clouseau? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, it was Ken Wall or Wall, W-H- W-A-H-L, Ken Wall. Who's that? He's a real nobody, which is a real surprising name for them to have picked. The guy that... um, it's Actually, okay, so true story. He broke his neck in the early 90s. Uh, I think it was neck or back or something like that. Falling down the stairs of Rodney Dangerfield's ex-girlfriend's house. And she begged him not to tell the truth because she didn't want that story getting out. Did Rodney push him down once he caught him in bed with his ex-wife? I don't 
I don't know. I, no, Rodney would have written 20 minutes of material. <laughs> no respect, no respect. Girlfriend, not wife. Sorry, girlfriend, not wife. Uh, but yeah, so he told the media that he had a motorcycle accident. That's bizarre. Hmm. But beyond that, he's never really been... Like, he's not a known name. Like yeah. His Wikipedia profile barely had a photo. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, when they don't have a photo, you know, there's, there's nobody. <laughs> like, if, if, I, think, I feel like if we had a Wikipedia page, we'd even have a photo. Yeah, no, it'd be like the Twitter egg. <laughs> the Twitter he egg. Was, he was, okay, so he was popular in the 80s and 90s, best known for CBS television crime drama, Wise Guy. So, okay. I don't want to completely sell him short. He's, He's done more than done we more have, yeah. His life than we ever had. He was on a syndicated TV show. Exactly. But let's just say that it's a very dated joke now. My third question is, what was the title of Bart's map? Oh, no, I'm not sure. Springfield Residential Hills. Uh, okay. Uh, my third question, I can almost guarantee you're not going to get because I was really struggling to come up with trivia for this episode. There was just almost nothing of note. So, what type of instrument was... Oh, well, not musical. What type of instrument was Lisa using when Ralph said Lisa is a good thinker? Was it a telescope? Not quite. It's uh, It was a sextant, which... Um, it's basically an instrument that I think it was it was used for like navigation back in the days of ships and like Columbus and that sort of thing. It um, it does have a kind of telescope type mechanism in there though. It's got like a sighting mechanism. It's used for measuring the angular distances between objects uh, and especially for taking altitudes in navigation and surveying. So is, is that is that why the pirates, when they're looking at other ships, is that what pirates put to their eye? Or? Yeah, I think so. Like by by measuring by measuring angles, you can get an idea of distance and stuff okay. like that. Okay. Uh, and yeah, and then other like you know the North Star or something like that measure big points of reference in the sky and navigate thusly. I'm taking half a point for looks like a telescope. <laughs> no, that's fair. I, I'll, I'll grant you half a point. <laughs> It's the Patreon mailbag time. The Patreon no. mailbag is brought to you by our, <laughs> our beloved $20 big sister patrons, Jordan Ritchie and Thomas Wilford. Thank you so much for your support. And thank you to all the other patrons out there for your support. Okay, so it's Patreon mailbag time this week. Posted in the Patreon group asking for episode-specific questions. I'm going to go pick my three favorites from what came through. So this, kind of que- this question was asked in various ways, two or three different times. Basically, it was... This is the gist of it. When you were 10, where would you go with a, with a magic key? You know, if you had a magic key to the town, what would you go into and what business, mm. what local business and, you know, where would you go? Like, what, what, where would the night take you if you had the magic key to the city as a child? Yeah, time zone. Time, yeah, as, as a 10-year-old, straight to time zone. Oh, 100%, yeah. So, we'll, we'll answer that. We'll do it 10 years old and now. So, 10 years old, definitely time zone. I think I would have tried to get into the cinema as well. As all, yeah. the, pop, all the popcorn in the world. And try and spend all night trying to work out how to put a movie on. I would have no idea. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, trying to run a projector would be difficult. So, like, straight to time zone, you just got to turn the shit on and you'd be fine. Take four friends. It'd be like those, um, uh, the super sessions that they used to do where it'd be like, I don't know how much money it costs, but they'd lock the joint down from 10 o'clock and you'd go in for four hours. Oh, chaos. so great. How, how, how great. The two best types of, three, okay, three. The three best types of birthday parties as a kid, time zone, Macca's, mm-hmm. Pizza Hut. Prove me wrong. I want to say 10-pin bowling. Just oh, I'll give you that one. Yes, 10-pin bowling maybe was also nudges, great. Maybe nudges out Pizza Hut. Yeah. Well, you can eat pizza. That was pretty damn good. But the thing is, when you went to the was. bowling alley, you also they used to give you pizza as well. So, it's sort of like a component I was going to say, yeah, you generally still got the food. 
but you knew you were in for a great mm. great birthday party if it was at either of those four things. And when you were yeah. a kid, you got oh, they used yeah. to give you one of the pins with the little guy and the little eyes on it and stuff. Like the yep. birthday pin, yeah. That was great. And as for where I would go now, probably still time zone. <laughs> not Nicola and I do on date nights. We go see a movie or whatever, we go to dinner, and we go to time zone afterwards. 20 bucks unlimited for an hour. It's great. Yeah, nice. Play the so, basketball uh, machines, the, the ski ball and all yeah, that. Yeah, the basketball machines. Yeah, all of that stuff is still a lot of fun. Yeah. Like it just it taps into a kind of fun little childhood. Uh, and the unlimited nature of it, it's just fun to be able to play an arcade game that is normally designed where it's trying to turn people over and get more money in. But when you just go, no, <laughs> screw your time crisis, I'm seeing this through to the end. Exactly. We did it on the Jurassic Park ride. It's just like, enter more money. We're like, okay, we have unlimited money. Try and, yeah. try and get rid of us. We ain't leaving. <laughs> And it was funny because I could see this kid was sitting outside waiting for his turn and eventually he just looked at his mum and she just took him away. <laughs> he knew he wasn't getting in. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, time zone, great. Yeah, but realistically though, not time zone. Where else would we go? Now, maybe the cinema because we'd probably be able to work out how to operate the machinery. I say well, machinery, I mean projector. digital, so it'd be a lot easier. Yeah, probably just put a yeah. p- push play. Yeah, but like I don't, uh, there aren't, there are very few film projectors anymore. So yeah, I reckon I'd manage. Just one more extra place. We've said the cinema. We've said, what, what what food place would you try and go into? But then you essentially might as well just go to the supermarket and buy your own food and cook it. Because no one else is yeah, going to be in true. there. Um, but yeah. you, could, you could break into KFC uh, and get the secret herbs and spices. I think there's got to be some sort of bakery where that's like, but I've, I've got to be able to pick a time that I can break in and there'll be lots of... Cheesecake shop. Oh, yes. Cheesecake shop. I feel like the amazing. cheesecake shop is always... Yeah, that's always going to have some cakes on hand that I could just break in have myself a good time, leave money behind because I'm not scum. But <laughs> I would, um, last thing I want is people to start attacking me for stealing cake. Yes. Well, those questions were sent in by the likes of uh, Ian Astley, Harrison McClure and others. So thank you for sending that question in. A uh, couple more questions from Ben Clark. Were, th- were there any abandoned buildings in your town that you would explore now? Uh, the hospital in his hometown closed down about 20 years ago, and he and his mates spent a few nights exploring the halls and wards. That would be super creepy. A hospital. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That'd yeah. be fun. Um, Where in Geelong that's abandoned could we roam? Uh, yeah, well, I would have said the Geelong Cemetery, but I think they're turning that into apartments now, so you're not going to get in. Maybe you could get in there, steal some copper. Before wait, they lock the place up. Wait, the Geelong Cemetery? Which one's that? Ah, sorry, not cemetery. The prison. Geelong Prison. I know, I'm just bad. like, what the hell? <laughs> How yeah. can you lock up the cemetery? What are they the, doing? Uh, yeah, no. The Geelong Jail, where I think Mark Re- uh, Mark Chopper Reed spent a couple of weeks or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, just know, I, don't really, I don't really... I don't really know any other places that are abandoned in Geelong. I've never... I never keep an eye out for that sort of thing. Yeah, maybe the old uh, cement works. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that building gone now? No, it's still there, I'm pretty sure, isn't it? The cement works. Or they, did they implode it? It's in the industrial sector, Dando. I don't I, I don't venture out. It's <laughs> not the industrial sector. It was Geelong. One more question. Uh, Matthew Latham says, Did you guys think the police, as a child, actually had master keys to everywhere in the city when you were younger due to this episode? Because when he was younger, he sure did. Uh, I, I, a part of me thought, yeah. I kind of did. Yeah, I think I did. Not because of this episode so much, because I... you see it in a few things, like the key to the city, and you just think, oh, okay, mm. must be a thing. Yeah, as a kid, you take that as a literal key mm. that opens every door. Yeah. Um, I mean, my father-in-law is a locksmith, and I am fascinated by the way 
in like these, you know, said like you got a big school, there might be like 120 different locks. Um, I love that there are mechanisms where you can have, say of those 120, there might be eight different types of lock within. And you could have, say, say you're a type two, you can get into all of the level one doors and level two doors, but none of the others. But then like a, a level five can get into doors one, two, three, four, and five. And then you've got a master key that can open up everything. That sort of stuff is pretty pretty sweet, I reckon. Like that's as close as it gets to having a key that, to the city. I just thought of a place. So if we're in if we're in Melbourne, we're expanding to Melbourne, I would totally go into the MCG. Yeah. In and the sports museum included in that yeah, would yeah. be very cool. But just imagine how great it would be to just, you know, turn all the pie warmers, get some pies going, have a kick out in the G, no one else around. <laughs> turn on the pie warmers. <laughs> You're in this place of history where Dom Bradman scored like 10 test centuries or something, averaged 108 at the ground, where all of the grand finals and the Olympics and the Stones have played, and you're going to fucking turn on some pie warmers. Well, you're going to get hungry. It's a fucking big a place. Big, big place to explore. You're going to get hungry. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Sitting in the middle of the G with a pie in your hand, that'd be great. I would love to walk up and down the stands of an empty MCG just going, hot pies, <laughs> cold drinks, chocolate bars, and just hearing your voice echo around. <laughs> the pie, like the Birdman of Alcatraz, you'd be the pie man of the MCG. <laughs> the locals would just tell rumors. It'd be like the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> just At midnight, you hear his voice echo around. <laughs> Oh, it's like a myth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, can you imagine the chaos you would cause if you turned on the lights at like 2 a.m.? It'd be like a breaking news story, like helicopters going over. We were trying to get a view inside the MCG. The lights have turned on. <laughs> yeah. If aliens landed in Australia, that would be how they would communicate it to us. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like the they, MCG would, they would somehow <laughs> hack the power grid and turn on the MCG's lights. <laughs> Play the siren like, like close encounters. <laughs> Alrighty, that'll do it for the Patreon mailbag this week. Thanks for everyone who sent that through. If you want to join in with the Patreon mailbag, you just got to be a $2 plus patron. Join the Facebook group on patreon.com slash fourfinger discount. We won't do the spiel. You know you know what you get for, for being a patron. You get plenty of stuff. Now, Mitch, it's time to get into the episode. So it kicked off with what? I should say the air date, shouldn't I? I do it every other week. People will be furious if I don't. Yeah. March 22nd, 1998. Uh, the chalkboard gag. We've got a chalkboard gag this week. I was not told to do this. And the couch gag is Bart spray paints a picture of the family on the wall like Albato. Should I look up the ARIA charts for March 22nd, 1998 like I did last week? <laughs> sure thing. I'm sure it's not going to have changed too much from one week to the other. This week, 1998 ARIA charts at number one. This week, in, uh, so the album was Smashing Pumpkins Adore was the number one album. And the single, number one this week, was... This is a fucking underrated song, by the way. All My Life by Casey and Jojo. All My Life. Um, sing it for All me. All my life, I've waited for someone like you. And now no, I don't reckon I've ever heard it. That I finally found you. Oh, it's a fucking good song, man. Very good song. As love songs go, fucking spot on. Fucking spot on. Fucking I would have spot loved... on with a with who, who a okay with an okay hand gesture. <laughs> who um was the name of the guy that did love song Richard uh, Richard someone love song dedications? Like I would love his back announcement. Be like, and that song was dedicated to Brendan Dando. Mm, fucking spot on. It fucking is though. 
That's going to be my new slogan for the show. Fucking spot on. That should, I want someone to go on iTunes this week and just review. Five stars. Fucking spot on. <laughs> Alrighty. So, the episode kicks off with the kids in school and they're trying to play down or play up how dumb the kids are. Um, and it actually makes... I, I like this sort of poke at school, the schooling system whose calculator can tell me what seven times eight is. Like They don't even expect the kids to know anymore. It's like, just use your technology. Yeah. And like that... You know, it's just been extended so much further now to laptops and iPads and all that sort of stuff that, like, you could almost make a case for the fact that you don't need to learn anything. No, you, you can don't. Google almost everything, apart from the fact that, you know, that would then lead to a massive gulf, and then there'd be no, you wouldn't be able to Google anything because no one would be learning things. But anyway, alrighty. So Skinner is in the classroom because he's bringing in Robbie the Automaton, who is a, a robot there to teach kids. Things. Uh, now, this was a play on apparently a robot that used to take part in a baseball game of some kind or whatever. He used to try and, I think, sing the national anthem or oh, okay. r- rev the crowd up or something. And he used to be operated mm-hmm. by a guy nearby. And they used to, the robot they used to hate, apparently, the real life one. But uh, so he said, yeah. he asked questions like There's another okay. really great, sorry, there's another really great joke here. Greetings, Earth children. Where are you from? Earth. Yeah. The, again, the simplicity of that joke is just fucking spellbinding. Like, it's just. It's just there and it's obvious, but you would never have thought of it either. No. And it's a, that was a really great joke. I love that like this guy, obviously, you know, the guy operating the robot, he has a script and he's not expecting kids to ask him questions that to, for him to answer off script. So he's like, oh, I don't yeah, know what true. to do. <laughs> he asked the kids what it would be like to touch a star. Let me get Milhouse imagining he getting his arm burnt off. And I, I didn't mind the, uh, the Nelson with the three Stooges brains. Yeah, slapping them. Yeah, that yep. was very cool. Yep. Um, and then that's where Bart sees the guy out in the tree. And I mean, come on, all he does is throw an apple. It's not going to knock a guy out of a tree. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, that's true. And the robot goes down, goes to default setting, crush, kill, destroy. Last time we got crush, kill, destroy, I believe was it was when Mister Burns was being carried out by Smithers. But what was the robot chasing? Was it was it a bear? Was it Bobo the bear? Uh, y- Bobo the bear, the robotic Bobo. But the robot, yeah, I think that's it was crush, kill, destroy, yeah. And then Skinner, he's killing me. And the kids just don't get it. They're just, you know, desensitized to the violence. <laughs> mm. uh, they're all cheering. That's where they get to the, uh, the museum. Oh, that's what the robot was there for, to tell them about the museum, of course. And you mentioned earlier, no one really wants to be there. Well, Lisa does, but Bart and Homer, no, not at all. And do we actually get to see Lisa do anything at the museum? Or is it just Bart and Homer? No, I think it's just Bart and Homer. Yeah. But anyway, and Lisa Lisa's in the crowd when Bart sets the computer on fire. Okay, yeah, all the um, what, what the super friends? That's they're all they're all there. That is a pretty great scene. We'll get to it though. Yeah, Homer's uh, uh justification for all good things have to end with mania or terrier or or terrier. That's great. Yeah, and then yeah, we get an unexpected once again appearance from Troy McClure, which I'll soak yeah, up every gi- time. Yeah, in gigantic form. Welcome to the Knowledgeium. I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such automated information kiosks as Welcome to Springfield Airport. And where's Nordstrom? While you're enjoying our Hall of Wonders, your car will unfortunately be subject to repeated breaking. What do you say? What about my car? So then they get there. Now, this, this place reminded me of ScienceWorks. That's exactly what I said. Like, without going through the specifics of every single bit of this, because we could spend 45 minutes just talking about this scene because so much is going on. Mm. The double helix slide was awesome. Yeah. But yeah, like this this was ScienceWorks as when we were younger. And I almost don't want to go back to ScienceWorks as an adult because I'm worried that I would see it. 
if I saw it through an adult's eyes, that it would be a little bit tacky. But I'm it was a place of fucking magic when I was a child. Oh, I, I always, for some reason, remember the two things: the um, the the planetarium is that what it's called? Uh, yep. With, with the stars and trying to outrun Kathy Freeman. Kathy Freeman against the wall. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, so for people that don't know, there's a like a hundred meter sprint section. You basically hit a button, and Kathy Freeman. Was it hundred? No, obviously, it wasn't a hundred. Maybe uh, it was fifty meter, maybe 20, 30, 30, thirty meter sprint. So it, was, yeah. it wasn't that long, but yeah, it was enough. Yeah, but there was like a lit up uh, version of Kathy Freeman along the wall, so you could try to race her and just got a feel for how much faster she was than a seven year old boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, though, you know why that was so great? A small part of you believed you could do it. Yeah. Yeah. In that in that place and in that moment, I was yeah. like, because I think they actually had like a proper little bit of running track, and that for me, I was like, well, maybe this will be the difference. This floor feels a lot grippier. This is what I've been missing all these years. <laughs> it's like, and if I can beat her, then everything changes. <laughs> My life is set. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if anyone actually has beaten Kathy Freeman at ScienceWorks. Well, whether it's like a, a wall, a wall I, of fame, I or think something. if they did. Like if they did, you just keep on running and gates to heaven open, and and that's it. They're like, <laughs> you well, keep running. You've, yeah, you've clocked life, son. There's nothing else you need to do. Just come rest with the good guys. You know, it would be a great YouTube video or even like social media video. Kathy Freeman trying to outrun Kathy Freeman at Science Works. Oh, that would be good. Old Kathy versus young Kathy. Yeah, can she still do it? That'd be. I, I would watch that. <laughs> make it. Yeah, let's make this happen. Um, the double helix slide. Hilarious. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was only going to end one way. But the thing is, though, yeah. first time I'm watching it, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. But it makes so much sense when once you're looking at it in the past tense. <coughs> the section now illuminated is the floating point unit, one of my personal favorite units. Oh, oh yeah, Oh well. Hey, how do you get this thing to play blackjack? Stop that! You're hurting it. So how's it supposed to work? Well... Boring. Am I on the internet? No, you can only access... Boring. What's that fire for? The hard drive is crashing at an alarming speed. No more pictures. I did love here Frank's protection of it. Stop it, you're hurting it. (laughs) Yes. um, I... I, I, What's the word? I identified hard with that. That, for me, was like whenever my nephew comes around and starts touching things that are electronic. And I, yeah, I'm like, no, 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 this is like... I need you to take your hands off it. You're doing it wrong. It's like when our friends bring their kids over. And I'm like, can you control your friends? I oh, control your kids because they're ruining my shit. Can you control your friends? No. <laughs> like there's a kid. One of our friends brought their kid over and he's just, I look over and he's just hanging off of my pinball plunger. I'm like, stop mm. your kid. Because you don't want me to stop it because be it won't end well for anyone. <laughs> That'll be you in two years time. No, nah, but see, I will make sure that Elliot, you'll do it once and he won't do it again. We're like, this I'm, sure, my, my f- I'm sure that all parents go in with that same <laughs> approach. But then after the 50th time of yelling, you just give up. Well, see, I was before we had Ali. I was like, I'm not going to be that parent, you know. And I still believe that I won't be when we go out to dinner. Like when you're out to dinner, don't bring an iPad. You know, just don't stick your kid in front of the iPad. But when we're at home, Elliot's crying. I'm just like, all right, wiggles for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, until you are a parent, you don't understand. You can you, you judge the people that do it. But until you are there in that position, you just understand. <laughs> it's just like, I need a break. <laughs> Please, Emma, Wiggle, come help me now. <laughs> um, so Bart ruins the computer, sets it on fire, as he does. 
And then I yeah. love Martin taking a picture. No pictures. <laughs> <laughs> this next scene is a bit awkward when you're watching it with your parents as being a 10-year-old kid. The sex education pavilion. Yeah, that's true. Anything to do with sex. And the word sperm. You don't need to hear the word sperm when no. your parents are in the room. Yeah, there was, there was no need to, for the, you are out of sperm. I was just like, oh, did it really need this scene at all? Probably not. Uh, no, I don't have a problem with it, though, because when I'm not watching it with my parents, I found it quite funny. So how seed is crusty. Yeah, he, he really enjoys the fact that he got that thing to ovulate. Mm. Then we get Bart uh, uh, skateboarding. Skateboarding on, around Mars. On Mars. Yeah. The Star Wars font for Mars. I thought it was cool. Oh, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Uh, the most, I guess the most like crucial part to this, like this is where it sets up the story proper. So, um, you know, the bullies who become a recurring theme throughout this episode, the like the main antagonists and Bart and Ralph in their own dynamic. Yep. And Bart not sticking up for Ralph. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, like laughing at them after he's been shoved into the ear. Well, laughing with them after he's been shoved into the ear. I did love the giant ear cleaner to get him out. That was yeah. very funny. It's actually quite a bit of a throwback here to um the Telltale Head, this episode, Bart wanting to fit in with the bullies. Uh, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, that that's a re- relatively recurring thing with Bart. Of course, yeah. But it just dates back to that episode is what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. It is also one of those things, though, where it's inconsistent, where sometimes Bart's friends with Nelson, sometimes he's not. Yeah. 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 Houston, we have a booger. That line, I remember, was definitely on the uh, the commercial for the episode. Then, yes, yeah, so they pulled him out of the ear. And Wiggum, oh, Marge is feeling sorry for him. Wiggum's just like, nah, don't worry about it. He'll be fine. He's just, he's used to this kind of thing. And then he starts running around barking like a dog. And Marge sort of has the same response that most people would, going, are you sure he's okay? Like, Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just, it, 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 he's, you get different variations of Ralph in this episode. You get him brave walking into a prison you get him being able to help solve the issue by going, Lisa can help us, whatever. But then you get him running around in the circle, barking like a dog and seeing a fake uh, imaginary leprechaun that tells him to burn things. Like, he's not, very cons- do- he's not very consistent. What I do like about it from the way, again, the way he's treated by Wiggum is that Wiggum's actually proud of him here. Even even in that, like, even in that moment where he says that uh, that dog has some amazing adventures. Um like, you know, like he, you get the idea that Wigan would be at home really enjoying hearing Ralph's stories. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And being a, a parent of a child that might have, might suffer some sort of mental, um, what's what's the word here? If, so we don't offend somebody. I don't know. I'm very scared to speak. Yeah. But he's just, he, Wigan understands the situation. He, he Wigan is the perfect dad for Ralph, really. Because like you said, Ralph went to get that key he he was scared of the of the of the prison, but he went in because he he loves his dad that much. I was going to bring up here. Really, I didn't sort of look at it as I was watching this, but Marge sticks her nose into something here that it didn't need. She didn't need to. If she didn't say, "Oh, well, maybe he should have some real friends and try and get Bart to yeah. to be his friend," he would never have had the problem. He was happy as yeah, he was, true. but Marge just assumed that he wasn't. Mm. So she just minded her own business. None of this would have happened. Pretty much, no one would have got electrocuted. That's true. No one got electrocuted. The, the key wouldn't have been stolen. Marge and is the true villain of The Simpsons. <laughs> She's just a silent killer. Hello, Ralph. When I was little, I used to play by myself, too. Your hair is tall and pretty. Well, thank you, Ralph. You're such a fine young gentleman. Help! She's touching my special area! 
then me and my friend were about to press it, but the man said not to press it. But we pressed it anyway, and we ran and we hit in the giant tire. Oh, yeah, and my other friend was already there. All right, all right, now you're overstimulated. Let's get some beer in you, and then it's right to bed. Woohoo! Beer, 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 bed, bed, bed. How great is that? That That's just great. It's that whole thing. He's just so excited. I really, really love it. So when we get, uh, they get back home, and as we assume it's basically the next day. Bart's packed up his bag of mischief uh, off to go light some stink bombs in teachers' homes. Uh, I like that the teacher map is basically like a map to the stars. Yeah, and then Ma- we get map to movie stars the, homes. Yeah, but we get the back and forth that you were talking about before as being one of your favorite moments of Marge trying to set Bart and Ralph up, and Bart trying to explain that that is not a thing that's ever going to happen. And you can sympathize with Bart there. As cruel as this might be, and I would never say, like, as an adult, you you know that this is wrong. But as a kid, there are kids that have a stigma about them. That like, no, nah, I don't want to be friends with you. For, yeah. And it could be for any number of reasons. It could be that they barrack for a different football team or or there's always, you know, the kid that has a smell in primary school. Yeah, the kid that poos his that, pants in class. Yeah, exactly right. That Or, or something, like, uh, something to that effect. There's always... And it, it's, like, again, sad, but this is a, a very real thing that Bart is articulating here in the mind of a 10-year-old boy. And it's not so much that Bart has anything against Ralph. It's just that he doesn't want others to be see him with him. That's the that's the thing when you're a kid. Is It's the social mm. status aspect. Yeah. I will say that Ralph is pretty damn annoying when he comes over to Bart's house, just going through his stuff and dropping the ice cream in the room and whatnot, the finger trap and everything. Yep. Like it's, it's this was a, pretty annoying. This was, again, me and my nephew. <laughs> I just can't imagine you with a small child in the house. Just you, just you, you would, you would velcro them to the wall and not let them off. <laughs> if I could, oh boy, don't touch an anything. <laughs> wrap them in bubble well, wrap. To, to, I was going to say to the roof because then they'd be more afraid of letting themselves down. If they were just on a wall, they'd be like, oh, "I'll take that fall." But if they were on the roof, that like that they're going to wait for me to come get them. No, but you would also be the uh, let's play hide and seek and just never find them. Hmm. Until it got to a point that I became worried about their welfare. Uh, like, I wouldn't want uh, them... The thing is, though, as long as you know where they're hiding, you know they're safe. Ah, oh, he's under the bed. He'll be fine. Yeah, but, like, dehydration would kick in eventually. <laughs> so... oh, they just slowly roll a bottle of water under the bed, and they'd be like, well, that's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get the, uh, the sea plan here, too, by the way, of the, uh, the rocket being in Bart's room. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Marge finds Ralph. He's been hiding for over two hours. And Ralph... You kind of feel sorry for him because he's so proud of himself. You know, I've been here for over two hours and Bart still hasn't funded me. Yeah. And Bart's busy cleaning the shit in his room. And B- Bart is me. Like, I hate people touching my stuff. Like, it, it, I, would, I would be in my room trying to fix everything, clean it. I just don't... I, maybe it's a, a negative of mine, but I just... I don't like... I don't trust people with my things. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, I, I don't think you're the only one. March sends Bart outside. Uh, with Ralph, go for a walk or whatever. Oh, we, we, we skipped over, by the way, the, uh, the Homer scene. The, uh-oh, but we mentioned it earlier. Um, and Bart doesn't want to go outside because people might see him with Ralph. That doesn't matter. So then the, the bullies arrive once again. They've stolen the uh, the like parking parking enforcement that says on that car, I think, something along those lines. So yeah, like parking I, inspector or whatever? I don't know. It must be. like they There must be parts of America where they get around in their own little scooters. Yeah, I guess check so. Par- yeah. Um, and he pushes Ralph into the bushes. I was going to say, which is a bit better than the Australian version or the Geelong version at the very least of wearing that, like, gr- just the greyest of grey uniform you've ever seen and an Akubra. Very 90s, this. Very old school. Uh, 
Jimbo with the video camera in his hand, but it, when you look through it, it's black and white. Yeah. It hasn't been like that for a long time. But he pushes Ralph into the bushes, and it's very similar to what he does with um with Millhouse in Summer of Four Foot. They've probably seen you. Uh, yeah, you're right. Although here, I almost feel like he's done it half for Ralph's protection, to be honest. It's a bit for him, but I also think that there was like a genuine sense of fear of what might happen to Ralph if the bully saw him. Yeah, that is true. Um, so Ralph takes him to his place, shows him around the backyard. Uh, this is his sandbox, his swing set. He's not allowed to go on the deep end of his sandbox. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And there's the rock where I saw the leprechaun. And Bart just, you know, throws it off like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, leprechaun, imaginary friends, whatever. Now, whenever you hear imaginary friend, do you immediately think of Drop Dead Fred? Because I do. Oh, not immediately, but I guess that's probably the only real imaginary friend that I had any exposure to through TV. Yeah. So, yeah. Are they are they are they genuine thing? Imaginary friends? I'm sure they are, but I f- I'm also sure it's something that occurs in film and TV more than it occurs in real life. Mm, yeah. Uh, so Bart says to Ralph, you know, there's got to be something cool here. Your dad's a cop. Surely there's something here we can play with, and this is where we get the uh, the closet of mystery. And uh, this is another one of my moments where he's just like, he keeps stuff in his closet, but he says, I'm not allowed to go in there. Does he say, oh, I'm not allowed in there? Yes. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. good. <laughs> I'm going in anyway. I thought that was great. Um, and and everything he finds in here is exactly a childlike Bart. This is heaven, basically, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, for Yeah, it's... Um, even I would get a bit excited by that. <laughs> I'm not... And I'm not looking to cause trouble. Who's... One person that you know, whose record would you love to go through, celebrity-wise? Like, whose record of a celebrity would you love to go through and find out all the shit that we don't hear about? Robert Downey Jr. I was I immediately thought of that as well. Can you? He must get yeah. up to some shit that you just don't hear about. Because yeah, because how like how much do you know? And that would just be the tip of the iceberg of what he was doing back. Yeah, how much how much of Disney paid to keep it secret? You know. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine now. Like, now he's a father. He's into, like, karate and all that sort of stuff, or, like, uh, jiu-jitsu. He does something, some form of martial art. He's absolutely mellow. But I want to know what Robert Downey Jr. was doing in the early 90s that we never heard about. Now, we get here Wiggum arriving. Wiggum here goes into full police mode. It's pretty cool seeing him be a cop. Yeah. Till his back goes out. <laughs> and apparently the guy, the, the director of this, I believe it was the director, actually did that on the floor in the writer's room. Or the um the animator's room to show oh, how he really? wanted to look. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. A three forty one in my own bedroom. All right, crookie. Let's dance. Oh God, my back. Oh. Officer down. Officer down. Hi, Daddy. Oh, oh, it's just you. Well help Daddy up. You know you're not supposed to go in there. What is your fascination with my forbidden closet of mystery? Sorry, Chief. Um, we were just playing. Ralphie, you got a friend? Hey, hey, that's fantastic. Here, here, have some riot gear. It's on the house. <laughs> ah, that takes me back to the 60s. What's that weird key for? That's Daddy's magic key. It opens every door in town. The police master key. Oh, Ralph, do you realize what we can do with... Get me a towel. Now, honestly, as a 10-year-old kid, if you saw the key to the city, you'd just be like, this is the greatest thing ever. 
Like it, the, yeah, you can understand Bart's draw be... there. It would be so great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we get a little joke here that it's just a throw-in, really. Um, Marge and Homer recording phone messages. This was a thing twenty years ago. Yeah, and well, even to an extent, you don't get them as often anymore. But voicemails on mobile phones, people would go a little bit silly for. Do does anyone actually leave voicemails anymore? Oh yeah, they're, they're an important part of particularly like. I work in a business where I have to call people, so no, yeah. I mean personal um, personal phone calls, though. Oh, personal ones, less frequent. I think you're more likely to just send someone a text message or something these days if you didn't get them and just go, "Hey, this is what I was after." Yeah, well, I never check it anyway, but I do hate my my most hated voicemail is when they go, "Hello, hello," yeah, and you're like, "Oh, for God's sake!" And you sit there talking for like ten seconds, and then you hear the beep, and you're like, "You son of a bitch." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we, we get like a, a Jerry Maguire reference. What's the? This is Geraldine and the Devil Maybe Miss Your Call. So he come to beep. What's that one? I don't know. I'm sure it's, it was obviously reference to something. And listeners out there going to be furious at us for not knowing. But Marge puts on like a he come to beep a ghetto kind of voice when she's saying it. Geraldine Jones, the Devil Made Me Do It. Geraldine Jones was a fictional African American character. Uh, yeah, that, you can tell that's what she was blah. going for there. Comedian <laughs> named Flip Wilson. So, uh, she was a, she was a Saturday Night Live character. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, so then Bart tells Marge that he's going to sleep over at Ralph's, and she thinks it's just because he wants to be a friend, but no, he wants to take advantage of that key. So then Wiggum and uh, Ralph and Bart are in bed, and Chief walks in saying, "I hope you're not a." Opposed to me putting the nightlight on because Ralph's a little afraid of the dark. And I mean, as a kid, there was, I was afraid of the dark to some degree. Um, I used to like the hallway light being on occasionally, not to this extreme, mm-hmm. but I used to prefer the hallway light being on for a few years there. I, know. I just used to freak out and think that there was going to be an ET in the hallway looking at me. I couldn't sleep because for <laughs> a long time, my bed, the way my bedroom was situated, so you'd walk in and my bed, like the top, the, the, the bottom end of my bed was pointing towards the door. So if I looked up, I was looking straight at the door and it was straight down the long dark hallway and I just couldn't sleep with the door open. It just freaked the shit out of me. Yeah. I, th- I actually think you, we may have spoken about this before um, that I used to have a really in-depth thought process because my bed was right near the door. It was like, is it safer to have the door slightly open did, yeah. completely <laughs> open or closed? Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Ralph says here, I'm scared. And Bart's just like groaning. I'm like, don't worry about it. And Bart here sort of goes into business for himself. Now he's using Ralph. Um, so he tries to get the key with the broom, eventually gets it, and then just jabs Wiggum in the face anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're going through. Um, the world is our toy store. Great play on words there. I like that. Instead of the world is our oyster. And just in the toy store. Is there a toy store like this in Geelong? I guess when we were kids. Do you remember World for Kids? <sighs> Uh, I I didn't remember the commercials. I never remember actually going into a world for kids. Office Works, how big Office Works was or is? That was just a toy store. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so That's that that would have been the ultimate place to break into as a kid. Um, and yeah, that is a cool little montage here of Bart, just Bart and Ralph hanging out, having a good time, because there's mm. no one else around for to see Bart with Ralph. So he, he's he's let his guard down. Yeah, he's enjoying Ralph's company now for the first time in the episode. Yeah, and it's nice that they include that moment of, yeah, like of the fact that it is just in Bart's head largely that you can still have 
that he can still have fun with Ralph if he allows himself to. Yeah, stop worrying about what other people think and just enjoy hanging out, yeah. And then they see the bullies. Check it out, guys. It's dark and darker. What you doing there, Simpson babysitting? We're on a play date. Oh, isn't that adorable? The girls are on a play date. Uh, I'll take it from here, Ralph. Um, we're just hanging, chilling, a little bit of illin'. We don't get you, Simpson. Sometimes you seem kind of righteous, but then we see you fraternizing with lameoids. Which makes you a lame wad. Oh, yeah? Would a lame wad have the police master key? Whoa! Wow, you wow. Very handy. Hey, maybe you are cool enough to hang out with us. Really? You think so? I don't know what to say. But he has realized that he's got the um, got the ace in the in the deck because he's got the key to the city. So he's going to use this key to win over the friendship of the bullies. And all of a sudden, the bullies want to be his friend. And Ralph's just like, I'm not too sure about this. But by this point, just doesn't care. He's not listening to Ralph at all. He just all he cares about. And I don't see why. I guess as you're a kid, you want to hang out with the older kids, do you? I never really went through that phase of wanting to hang out with the older kids. But I guess if you did, you kind of felt cooler because they were older. Yeah, I suppose. It was just—it was, it was never something that I really went through, but I can understand how some kids do. And that because I guess yeah. when you're in high school and you're year seven, and you know, and you're sort of hanging out with the year tens for something for whatever reason, you kind of do feel older, I guess, more. Yeah, mature. like I, if I was if I was invited to play cricket with the older kids, it felt like a bigger deal than playing down ball with the kids my age. Yeah, definitely, of course, yeah. Um, so they go to so they go to the prison. I'm scared, Bart. I want to go home. Come on, Ralph. Don't embarrass me. It's just an abandoned prison. All the murderers are long dead, and I'm sure their ghosts are probably in hell. <laughs> Let's go, Simpson. Ditch the baby. <laughs> My key. Sorry, Ralph. I thought we were friends. <laughs> Wait, I missed that. Get him to say it again. This is where the episode went into awkward territory for me because now is now it's just bullying, now it's just a, it's a, a mild form of abuse of a of a child who can't really defend himself. Bart's well aware of what he's doing, yeah. and doesn't care. The the line that punches me the most, punched me the most in the like just in the in the feels was, "I thought we were friends." You're like, oh Jesus! And then uh, Jimbo getting to say it again, and we get the black and white shot looking through the camera. So Ralph wants to go home, not not happening. Falls over into the mud. He just wants daddy's key. Nelson throws it into the prison. So for the whole, the, the bullies don't even want to go in there in the end anyway. So it was just a whole waste of time going there. Yeah. So they wander off to go pick whatever it was that they were going to pick. I couldn't quite hear that word. Huckleberries but, or something. Um, they always want to do something weird that a bully wouldn't normally yeah, do. Basically, it was just a convenient way to leave them out of it. And then now Bart and Ralph have got their new problem to deal with of the keys in the prison. And yeah. they've got to get it. Yeah. Uh, which I reckon Bart would not have done had Ralph not walked in. He would have found, he would have just gone, oh, well, you know, let's find a way to not have to go in there and the problem can solve itself. Yeah, definitely. But no, Ralph's gone straight yeah. in because he, he's, uh, is brave the right word or is he just a kid that didn't understand the situation? All he wants to do is get dad's key back. He just wants to get dad's key back. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it was. Yeah, you could look at it as being brave, but I don't reckon it's even conscious bravery. It's just, no, I've got to go get the key. Like, it's Dad's key, I need it. The pointy kitty picks it up and runs off with it. They go into the uh, 
they, they eventually get it back. It's just a way of leading them to the room with the electric chair. Mm. Actually, you know what Ralph reminded me of the way he walked in there is a lemming um, from like the computer game lemmings <laughs> that Ralph's job was to build a bridge and get up over that thing. And if he was going to fall in the water, so be it. There was a greater cause and that cause was his dad's key. <laughs> it's exactly, it's a pretty good comparison. Um, yeah, so they're at the, uh, the electric chair and... I feel like if I walked into a room with an old school electric chair like this where you knew people had been killed, that would be mm. super eerie. I don't know. There'd just be something yeah, be, about it. It would be creepy. Like we've discussed on the show before that we've, we bought a house where we knew someone had been murdered. We wouldn't care, but I don't know. that This is different. Yeah. Yeah. Being in a room designed for death is a different thing to someone happened to die here. Yeah. Do you think it would smell like hot dogs? Um... I feel like that's going to depend on how much hair someone did or didn't have. <laughs> and the sponge was wet. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. That's bleak. Yeah. No, that's, yes. That scene just stuck with me. It's one of those scenes that never leaves you. Fucking, fucking Percy Whitmore. Not good at all. You watch. One of the great movie villains. You watch. Yeah, he really is. And he never gets spoken about in like top lists of movie villains, but he is, man. Anyway, so uh, they get the newlyweds from the cake because they went to the cake store earlier and they tested it it still works and of course it does. It melts. Uh, but that's that's where we get the whole safety to armed. Um, and then they hear the guard yelling out. They run off, leave the key into the, in the switch. And then Bart and Ralph are just hanging out playing cards at Bart's house. So Bart doesn't have to be friends with Ralph anymore, but he still is as much, yeah. as, much as it annoys him, you know, because he's trying to explain the fact that you've got any threes, go fish. We see you have several threes, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he says why don't we watch cartoons instead and this is where we get the uh, the, the report about Mayor Quimby's press conference discussing the abandoned penitentiary so what was, what was the reason for this? Uh, he was going to reopen the prison but look what, there, there already was a prison though but it was abandoned so but, it hadn't had anyone in there for 30 years it was but, but, start but, getting but used what about get. the prison that we always see? oh um, well it was pretty full do they explain this though? Uh, it doesn't specifically say, no. Yeah, like, why are they opening up a 30-year-old prison if there's a prison that already functions? There's another one. Well, let's just assume that this one has no, more like, This is the only one with an electric chair? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the electric chair was deactivated 30 years ago, but he wants to give a demonstration of what it's going to feel like if you get electrocuted because, you know, it fits the story. Operator, get me Morningwood Penitentiary. It's an emergency. Now, Martha, we've been over this and over this. We're too old to start having children. If you're looking for something to do, why don't you start a new twine ball? Come on, a man's life is at stake. We need to get a message to the prison. Think. Think. Lisa's a good thinker. That's it. Ralph, you're a genius. Now, as I mime the convulsions of a condemned criminal, I remind my staff not to come to my assistance no matter how realistic my performance may be. Getting ready to throw the switch. Come on, Lisa, hurry. Let's just pray this hits the prison. <laughs> Smithies, there's a rocket in my pocket. You don't have to tell me, sir.
Strictshire is army, then the old prisoner's been getting free electricity for 30 years. You'll put a stop to that. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was really entertaining. How did you make that smoke? I feel like, even though Burns turned it off pretty quickly, Quimby ain't surviving that. No sponge. Oh, no. Let you No chair. sponge. He's there for a long time, copping, yeah. you know, a few thousand volts through the head. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty absurd, the ending to this it's episode. It's very... That's, like, very, very cartoon. Yeah. The fact that he just sort of shakes it off. Yeah. Um, and we get the... A line that gets quoted a lot of, I've got a rocket in my pocket, you don't have to tell me, sir. Um, but then, yeah, so they turn it off. The, the rocket saved the day, and... Uh, Everyone's cheering for Ralph, but Lisa's a bit jealous, as she tends to do, because she wants to credit for everything she does. But then Bart says, Lisa, it's Ralph. Let him have this moment. And then we get this. You've done grand, laddie. Now you know what you have to do. Burn the house down. Burn them all! Which, as I discussed, I feel like was... I'm not a fan of it. There's a lot of people out there that do appreciate the leprechaun. They think it's one of the funniest moments of Ralph, one of the most memorable ones. But to me, what this does is it leaves the character in a position where it's not, for me, okay to laugh at him anymore because he's actually suffering a serious mental condition where he thinks it's okay to to kill people. Yeah. Well, when you put it like that, <laughs> it's, um, it's, uh, it's a difficult one to justify. But anyway, all in all, uh, there's enough laughs in this episode for me to say it's a good episode, but it just has its flaws in the sense that I think it's just trying to base a whole episode around Ralph would have been hard from the get-go because it's just no, there's no, they've dumbed him down so much to the point where there's no substance anymore. Hmm. But the, the, Bart, the Bart angle as well, I did, I think the Bart in this episode is very relatable if you take yourself back to being a kid. Everything he is saying here, all the, uh, his motives are true. It, it shouldn't be like this, but it's just the way it is sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, like, I I don't think that... Bart's not... Um, you know how Bart can be mean just for the sake of being mean? I don't think he was doing that at any point in no, this episode. He, no, was no, being, no. he was being mischievous for the sake of being mischievous a few times, but never towards Ralph. No. He certainly disregards Ralph's best feel oh like we, he disregards Ralph's feelings but that's about it but look, look but as we discussed though there was a motive there that's very believable him wanting to fit in with the cool kids yeah what did we learn Palmer so what'd you learn from the episode Mitch uh well we we slightly covered it but I earned that uh, I learned that all good things tend to end with mania <laughs> they really do except for Wrestlemania it was terrible this year yeah. uh, I learned that you should never ever trust Leprechaun <laughs> have you seen those leprechaun horror films? Scared the shit uh, out of me. No, as a kid. I never have. But yeah, they um, that's a that's a fair point. I would not trust those leprechauns. I um, I saw that movie as a kid. Terrified me. And I'm never gonna go back and watch it because I like to have that memory in my mind of it's a good horror movie. I know if I watch it now, it's probably a C grade horror movie. That's not the slightest bit scary. Yep, I think that's pretty much what you're gonna find. <laughs> pretty sure he bounced around on a po- on a uh, pogo stick. <laughs> yeah. Actually, did you say that they're remaking Chucky? I did, yeah. CGI yeah. comes out next month, doesn't um, it? Oh, sorry. Child's Play, obviously not Chucky. I don't like that at all because I just don't see that that in this day and age that that plot works. It's too hard to suspend your disbelief. Whereas in the uh, 80s, it kind of made sense. 
it's pretty. It was pretty absurd for the eighties, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, but the eighties was a time that you could make absurd horror movies. Is it any more absurd than time travel? Um. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you reckon? <laughs> no, I just think that like, um. Horror movies were like, you know, you could get these super high concept type horror movies back in the 80s that sillier ideas were easier to, like, I would happily sit down and watch Child's Play knowing it was a product of the time it came from, but I would not be as keen to watch the new one knowing that it was trying to fit in today's world. It just doesn't seem, it's an idea that doesn't seem to work with digital, with the digital age for me. What about uh, the idea of a shape-shifting being living in the sewers? <laughs> um, Smash it success. I'm not sure what being you're talking. What are you talking about? Pennywise the clown. Oh, Pennywise. Uh, no, I'm fine with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, it's just that Child's Play just has an inherent cheesiness about it. And the cheesiness fits the 80s more than it fits today. You know, you know what I realized this week was that I'm annoyed that Disney are getting really lazy. I mean, they know how to make money, but they're just like, let's not be original and creative and, co- and cre- uh, you know, produce great movies anymore. Let's just remake our old ones live action. Well, I don't know. I, I in some ways, that's good. I, I, I'm not completely against the idea of it. I really like The Jungle Book and I think I will really like The Lion King. So, yeah, each to their own. Yeah, I get that. But I just, I, you know, I, when's the next Toy Story like, original concept going to come around? When's the next... Monster Zinc, the next up. Like, when, well, when's the next solid effort going to come around from Pixar? Well, they had Coco last year and they had Inside Out. Inside Out was about long four years ago. That was great. I haven't seen Coco, but I heard get Inside the, Out get the wasn't tish- that I heard, I heard get the tissues ready for Coco. Um, yeah, uh, Coco is fantastic, and uh, Inside Out was well. Shit, it was 2015. Yeah, I told you, you know? four years ago. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um. But yeah, like uh, Disney do Disney do a shitload of new stuff. So I think it's a bit uh, short-sighted or it's, it's a little, you've got a little bit of tunnel vision if you're only looking at their remakes and saying they're not doing anything new. They, they do a lot that's new as well as tapping into the old stuff. They did create a whole new theme park for Star Wars fans. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that that quite counts, but sure. <laughs> they're doing something. They're, re- they're uh, releasing their streaming service soon as well, so... Oh, yeah, actually, that's going to be really cool. That'll, yeah. Anyway. Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh. Mailbag time. Mailbag time. And then let's get the mm. fuck out of here. Uh, oh, okay. I think this might might be one of our youngest ever listeners. I remember when we had the uh, the young kid that would write in a while back. Um, mm. Forget his name. Hope you're still listening. You'd be a teenager now. So we loved him. He was a champion. I just forget because it's been a couple of years since we've heard from him. Yeah. But uh, we've had a young and write in by the name of Micah. Uh, I'm going to leave the last Mika? name out, just based... No, well, it's M-I-K-A, but, you know, could, yeah, could be Micah, could be Mika. Yeah, Mika. Anyway, anyway uh, I'm going to leave the last name out due to age, but 12-year-old writing in from Washington, D.C., oh, wow. who was a huge fan of film and cinematography. Uh, loves our podcast and The Simpsons. Now... How's this? Like, Mika has written in and decided to just name drop left, right, and center to get a little bit of cred with us. So, let's count him. I'm, he is related to Idris Elba by blood. They both come from Sierra Leone. 
Uh, so whenever we talk about how much The Wire, he gets a little bit happy. Sadly, his parents haven't let him watch the show. Now, keep that little key tidbit of information in mind. Uh, he's ma- uh, related through marriage to Michael and Kirk Douglas uh, through his aunt. And in high school, my other aunt dated Andre from Outcast. He hasn't actually... like Him just being related to these people, He's done. he's achieved more than we have in life. Yeah, exactly right. Um, my, my, my my relative is Stringer Bell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, I so he listens to the podcast while he's skateboarding around and taking the metro home from school. Uh, it has a funny story. This is actually kind of cool. So he went to Disney World and was on the monorail and started quietly chanting like monorail, 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 and getting louder and louder and louder. And a bunch of people started to join in singing along with him. That's amazing. Taking the different roles of the people of Springfield. How great! Um, how great is the Simpsons? Like in the sense that you can just unite people. <laughs> yeah, and that a twelve-year-old can start a spontaneous chant for yeah. an episode that would have gone to air before he was born. That long before he was happy. born, twenty years yeah. before he was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a lot of joy out of that. Now, here's the bit where I said uh, that I really laughed. Um, one of his favorite movies is one that I just recently watched by the great Quentin Tarantino, which inspired uh, Dando's favorite episode 22 short films about springfield yeah pulp fiction so pulp fiction they've let him watch pulp fiction but they won't let him watch the wire did they let did he watch pulp fiction without him knowing though oh possibly that is possible Uh, because you know parents could be out for a bit two hours you've done it you've watched it the wire Yeah, that's true it's easier to do that than it is to watch the wire Uh, but not only that he's then followed it up with inglorious bastards jesus more violent than anything that will happen in the wire (laughs) But see, uh, yeah, I, I feel like you can, you can sneak that kind of stuff. You ain't sneaking five seasons mm. of The Wire, the greatest show of all time. Yeah. Yes. Um, but anyway, yeah. So thank you very much for writing in, Mika. Uh, yeah, thank you. It's, it's very cool when a young person, uh, when when we're cool with the kids, it, uh, it makes me feel good. I feel like, see, um, I feel like I'm now Bart, or I'm Ralph, you're Bart, and he is the bullies. We want to hang out with him because he's related to Stringer Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just die on the air? Yes. It's oh. like you've been shot. <laughs> oh boy, I'm gonna need a minute. Oh I um Are you actually hmm. okay? Yeah. Apologies, listeners. Um Oh, this is gonna make for good podcasting. I what, what did you sit on? Just had No 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 Yeah, <laughs> sat on myself. No, I um Oh boy, I I was cooking up a storm before, and I had uh, some chili flakes that I was mixing through some vegetables as part of meal prep for the week. And obviously, I was doing a little bit of tasting as I was going along the way. And a chili, a bit of chili, had like been stuck in my tooth, but I didn't know that's what it was. And you know, like when you bite into a peppercorn or something like that, it's really hard. I've just uh, I've just done that with the bird's eye chili, and it's just. It just like it ex- juice exploded straight in the back of my throat, and that has just really destroyed me. I I, so. I thought you were actually I was going to lose you for a second there. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crikey! Well, it's been a fun four years, people. But uh, this will be the final episode uh, of Four Finger Discount. <laughs> yeah, like you just heard me bow out. Like it's like um when that newsreader chow killed out. Himself. <laughs> Jesus, that's uh that's a pretty good pun. I'll give you that. I'm not even going to groan. <laughs> Oh, all right, I'm back. Anyway, um, that's that's pretty much gonna 
pretty much going to do it, I think. Uh, I will just say thank you very much to Alex who sent it. We were talking about um, falling over in uh, supermarkets and whether or not you can sue them. Sent in a video of someone pretty much doing exactly that. Uh, he staged his own injury with ice cubes. <laughs> um, That's pretty cool. It's pretty great. Just pretty elaborate. But did the... Int- did the did the entire thing in full view of CCTV footage. So. <laughs> now what you do is you gotta get the ice cubes and like roll it under the aisle, and then slip in and slip and on, then, on the next aisle. Yeah, they, they yeah, won't th- yeah, they won't think to look in aisle thirteen. But if you slip over in well, aisle twelve, just, just follow Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, uh, and it's, it, whenever he reprises "Slippin' Jimmy" on Better Call Saul, <laughs> like that man knows how to take a fall. Because yeah, then, then you'll end up like the guys who get their legs broken by t- by Tuco. That's their problem. <laughs> <laughs> that scene still haunts me, man. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Alex also had a dream about us that he wanted to share, that uh, for some reason we decided to host the podcast from your roof, and I fell off backwards and sustained a nasty neck injury. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Is this some sort of foreshadowing that I don't want to know about? Yeah, I don't know. You know what I want um, to do? I'm going to suggest we do next week's episode from the top of my roof. Just see from how, the top of your roof. And see how you go, whether you panic the whole just time. Just tempt fate. Yeah. I like that. Like Final Destination. <laughs> yeah. We'll do the following episode from a padded room. Uh, so next week, we're going to be reviewing Simpson Tide. A really good... Uh, I, I really enjoyed that episode. I have fond memories of it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to re-watching that one. I feel like it's going to be very 90s, though, with the old boys having earrings and whatnot. But you know, we'll get to that. Anyway, Mitch, any final words for the listeners? It's just about final words for my life. I'm yeah. just going to... It's more just a general life tip. Don't leave chili in your mouth. Um, you know, squirrels might get away with doing that for nuts, storing it for the winter. Do not st- store bird's eyes in your molars. And that is his lock for the week. <laughs> I, I, I seriously need to drink. i got to go. Shh.